Welcome to Physician Residency Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. I have my first guest, Dr. Katherine Sarnowski, and she is the Director of Physician Education for Contract Diagnostics. Hi, Katherine. Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Oh, I'm so glad you could join us today. Tell us a little bit about what you do. So I am an OBGYN who is in clinical practice as a locums tenens provider, and I also am the director of physician education with contract diagnostics. So I bring a little bit of everything to the world of medicine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do full scope clinical practice and on the side, I'm really passionate about better educating physicians on contracts, how to understand them, how to feel educated and empowered enough to negotiate them as well. It's really important to me, I guess I would say, to make sure that people identify some of their values as physicians and then as best as we can incorporate those into the contract so that you can always feel like you're getting into a job that you love and that you anticipate it will be that also works with your lifestyle and your life, your family, your goals, all of those great things. And how in the world did you combine those two passions? <laughs> <laughs> it sort of just eked its way into my life, you know, through my own trial and error, learned a lot about contracts through some of my initial jobs and just got excited enough through seeing some areas that could have been improved on my initial contracts. And then also having some great mentors in my life who knew a lot of good basics about contracts and started to educate me. I've just spent a lot more time self-educating and I was sitting on and still am sitting on some committees for our national OBGYN organization. And through that was fielding some questions about contracts that came up a lot. And so it re-inspired me to look into a little bit more, but also find ways to educate my fellow physicians and some younger physicians about that. And so as I was preparing some documents for them to feel a little bit more educated, I was looking for good podcasts to listen to and came across a bunch by John and contract diagnostics and got really excited about his passion for working on physician contracts and helping us negotiate great deals and fair numbers and all of that. And I reached out to him just to see what kind of a role I could have in his company. And we ended up deciding to work together and really build out the educational side and the resource side of the company. And so I've been working on that for the last few months, and it's been an awesome, exciting whirlwind of a learning curve and such a great way to connect with physicians across the country share a little bit of my story and then share a ton of education with them and do contract reviews with them as well. That's fantastic. I know we have a lot of residents and fellows who are getting ready to graduate and move on to their first careers. Can you tell us maybe some of the questions that they come to you with or how you guide them through this process? Yes, absolutely. Well, one of the first questions, I guess, is how do you find a job, which is technically not something that we do with contract diagnostics is we're not a recruitment company, but I do like to share as much information as I can. So just in terms of finding jobs, I'm always happy to try to help connect people, especially now that I work all across the country. If I know of something, I'm always willing to direct them to different groups out there. But once people do find a job is really where we jump into the picture. I do like to share a little bit about when to start the negotiation, because that is a question we get a lot. Like, when do we even come to somebody? When are we going to reach out to your company or another physician contract lawyer or something like that? And it really starts with the first document that you get, essentially. The negotiations themselves do start at the site visit. That's a great opportunity for 
physicians to start asking questions, start getting an idea of what resources are out there, what the hospital or clinic has or doesn't have that they might need to negotiate for and kind of putting together that mental list. I do like to remind young physicians or any physician really that it's not the time to negotiate the financials. If for some reason they say, well, what number are you expecting to get? That's a good question to just politely decline to answer in that situation (laughs) because there's so much that goes into the financials other than your compensation. It has so much to do with what your schedule is going to look like, what your position and expectations will be, what your benefits package is going to look like. So there's way too much to be able to decide at that point, but you can get a good idea of the basics of the job description. That's a great time to be looking at that information or even starting maybe to negotiate a little bit of that. The best time to get a team on board with your contract review is if you get a letter of intent, you do want to have that reviewed and negotiated because even though it's not technically a contract, once you sign that, the employer is assuming at that point that you've agreed to the terms that are in there. And it might have anything from your compensation to your benefits, to your vacation time, your start date, all of that. You just want to make sure that it's in line with what you're expecting. So that's a good time to get a team on board. Cause like I said, there's a lot more to compensation than just that number. And so looking at the letter of intent, making sure we have all of the other policies, procedures, benefits, so that we can look at the whole picture by the time you get the contract. Hopefully all of that is well negotiated and makes sense with the remainder of the language. And then that's where we jump in again to review that contract and make sure there's no red flags in there, no potentially damaging language, and then make sure it's still reflective of the conversations that you've had thus far with the team. So that's one of the big questions. When do we come in as soon as possible? Basically, (laughs) the take home could be for that. And the next question I get is now that so many physicians are signing contracts with bigger organizations and bigger hospital employers. The contracts tend to be fairly similar from one physician to the next. And a lot of times these employers will say that they're non-negotiable contracts. That's a question that comes up a lot is, do I have any room to negotiate? And should I bother to spend 400 or 800 or $2,000 on negotiating or reviewing a contract that I may not be able to negotiate. My answer to that optimistic answer, which is also a very honest answer is everything is negotiable. And at minimum, we need to do our due diligence and have that contract reviewed to make sure that you understand all of the language that's in there exactly what you're signing, because as physicians, we may also have some non-negotiables, some areas that we're not comfortable signing. And if that language is in there, that might be a reason that we either need to have another conversation with the company about how to alter that, or might even potentially be a reason to walk away from a contract. The quote unquote non-negotiable contracts, oftentimes when it is with a big organization, you may not be able to change the actual text on those five pages or eight pages that they send you but you may be able to have addendums or formal letterhead attachments that go along with your contract that personalize it to what you're looking for. It does have some opportunity for negotiation. Do you find vacation or non-competes or what are the most common things that you're able to put in addendums for that personalize that contract? Really all of those things. The 
Non-compete is an area that's really important to some people because if you're tied to a location for family reasons, personal reasons, whatever your reason is, it's totally valid. And so you want to make sure that you protect that space for yourself, because if that's going to be your stomping grounds for your personal income, you want to make sure that you have the opportunity to continue that, whether it's with the company that you're signing with or another one. Some things that you can do to negotiate a non-compete, because it's going to differ from state to state, from employer to employer, location to location. But generally, the non-compete is going to be that you cannot work within a certain radius for a certain period of time in your field. So that's at least three areas there that you can actually start to negotiate to try to find some room to accommodate your needs. So one is to try to shrink that radius in some ways, you may not be able to change the number, but if they have language, like you cannot work 15 miles from any facility that you provided care at, well, that could be your clinic and maybe you have a secondary clinic site, the hospital that could make that 15 mile radius up to 45 or more miles. And you can black out whole cities. One way to narrow that down is to say that it's just from your primary clinic location, you know, pick the most specific or just from the hospital or something like that. So just narrow it down to one site. So at least, you know, exactly where those 15 miles will be. The other thing that you can look at is the job description. So as an OBGYN, maybe I can't practice as a full scope OBGYN, but now we have hospitalist or laborist positions. And so I've seen and helped people negotiate that. Yes, I could take that position that would not negate the non-compete. You know, you would not be breaching your contract by doing a hospitalist or laborist position. Those are a couple different ways that you can look at that. I know somebody who maybe in internal medicine, you could do the same thing where let's say you subspecialized in nephrology or infectious disease. Maybe you can't continue to work in that particular subspecialty, but you could take a hospitalist role and still do internal medicine in the area. And then once your non-compete is over in 12 months or 18 months, then if you want to go back into your subspecialty, you could do that, or you could do some subspecialty work outside of the non-compete region. So there are some ways to negotiate that language. Other areas that can be negotiated, one that I personally negotiated was that I wanted time for the global health work that I do separate from my CME and vacation time. Because when I want to do two to four weeks a year abroad working, that's usually pretty exhausting time. Also, it's not vacation time. It's still work time. So if I burn through all of my vacation, then I'm not giving myself the space that I might need. So I negotiated that to be separate protected time. People can do additional vacation time if that's important. When we look at values and goals, some people are willing, it's good to know where you're willing to give and take. So some people are willing to accept a slightly lower salary maybe, but get an additional two weeks of vacation a year. Malpractice insurance for me as an OBGYN, I always want to make sure I have tail insurance covered. Some people, especially in different areas that it might not be as expensive to get tail insurance, they might be willing to negotiate a higher salary, but then lose their tail insurance coverage, or they'll accept no tail insurance coverage, but have some sort of retention bonus built into their contract. There's a lot of ways you can get creative. I won't list all of them, but it just highlights how much flexibility you can have with your contract, depending on what goals you're hoping to achieve. Gotcha. And with contract diagnostics, do you typically educate the physician on, you know, the contract language and how to do all of this themselves? Or is this an option to have contract diagnostics step in and help them in this process? How does that work? 
Yes. So all of the options abound. <laughs> Everything is available to physicians. The most popular package is a full contract review with education about that. And then the physicians do their own negotiation. So basically when a physician comes to us with their letter of intent and contract, we'll go through all of that with them. I will walk a physician section by section through that contract. I want to make sure that language is really clear. We also send out, depending on which package physicians have, we send out a couple different emails, one doing a plain language review of the contract, just so they can understand each of those sections really clearly. And then every option we have comes with a discussion summary. So everything that we've talked through, we put in a really comprehensive email with some of the suggestions we had for areas to negotiate. So number one is the education, understand what's already presented in front of you. And then number two, in that conversation, we'll talk about areas of concern, like a section that might benefit from some rewriting or areas that might benefit from some negotiation also, whether that's in the non-compete, like we just talked about the malpractice insurance and trying to include tail, if it's already a claims made policy rather than an occurrence-based policy, which is always a good conversation. A lot of people will ask us, can you go through the malpractice policies again? Those are really hard to remember, even though there's only two, somehow those two get very confused. <laughs> the other areas that we'll look at are termination clauses. We do like to highlight, I think most of us know at this point, but just especially for the residents as they're looking at jobs is thinking about the chances that you'll terminate are pretty high, that you'll leave the job for one reason or another are very high. It's about 60% of physicians will leave their first job within two to three years. So you want to make sure that you understand what kind of clause is built into that contract and what kind of a cost that may have for you as a physician, if you do leave, and then trying to minimize that as much as possible so that it can be a painless transition and hopefully not too financially burdensome transition either. So those are all sorts of areas that we'll talk about. One of the negotiations that we like to build into the contract is just, if it's really vague, we want to make it as specific as possible. So a lot of contracts will say something just as simple as you're a 1.0 FTE or you're a full-time FTE, but the definition of that is most likely either built into just the conversation that you've had previously about what that means or a living document, like a word document that today says a full-time FTE is four days in clinic and one in five call or something like that. But tomorrow when two docs leave the group is now five days in clinic and a one in three call. And that can have a huge impact on a physician's life and lifestyle. Sure. And so that's one area that I like to talk to physicians about trying to clarify as much as possible is keep as much vague language out and as much specific language in the contract as possible. So you know exactly what to expect. And if changes need to be made because group sizes do change that you have a voice in what that will look like for you. Is that generally an area that you're pretty successful in as far as determining the number of days in a week, the hours involved, the number of call, that kind of a thing. Can you get addendums put in? fairly easily? It really depends on the employer a lot, like a private practice model. You have a lot more room to negotiate that and get that specific language in. If you're going with a bigger employer, you might not get down to the specifics of how many days in clinic a week or which days of the week, if somebody wanted, <laughs> but I only want to work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or something like that. You might not be able to get that language in, but you might be able to get more specific, like how many patient facing clinical hours you have. 
or how long a clinic day is initially slotted for like an eight hour day versus a 10 hour day, how long your call shifts are. So you can get creative with some of the language in there, even if it's not maybe exactly what you wanted to have, you can get it pretty close so that you are still within some kind of agreement that you feel comfortable with. Gotcha. Do you go over the different compensation models and how to figure out like RVUs and those kind of things? Definitely. So when we do a contract review, a lot of people want to know what's fair. Is this number that they gave us even a fair income for me? What should I expect to get? And it can be challenging to know those values as physicians. We don't often talk to one another about what to expect. I remember when I was graduating residency and I was applying to stay in the same area that I had originally trained in. I knew a lot of grads from the class ahead of me who stayed in the same area. And I just called a couple of them. I was like, Hey, what did you guys get offered for your contract of the three people I talked to? I pretty much got the same answer from all three of, Oh, it was a really fair number. And literally (laughs) wouldn't tell me the number. I was like, but what number? I don't know what to expect. And so it was very challenging to have that conversation. I don't know if we're like guilted or shamed at some point in our lives as physicians into not talking numbers, but I think it's so important to know because that's how you know what's reasonable. I ultimately found out that the offer that I made was within a hundred thousand dollars difference of what other classmates or other physicians in the same region were making. There's huge variability. So when it comes to knowing numbers, one way to find out what's reasonable is apply to and get offered a bunch of jobs in the same area, (laughs) in your same field. I mean, (laughs) if you have the time and the interest in applying for all of them, that's a little bit of market research right there that you're doing on your own. (laughs) The other option is to talk to friends or colleagues who are looking in the same area to try to understand what those numbers are. But then there are also physician compensation surveys that you can gather that data. And so MGMA is one of the big ones that you hear about a lot. That's probably one of the most commonly used ones by employers in terms of determining what the compensation should be at contract diagnostics. We have that data and we have a product called compensation RX that pulls your specific MGMA data for your region, your field. And then it also pulls our internal data, which is kind of unique since we've worked with over 10,000 physicians In the last 10 years, we will pull that region and that field and include it in a report. And then we go through by phone that report with the physician so they know where they fall. That does pull in RVU data and some collections data. So if people want to renegotiate or look at what other physicians are making to determine what percentile their RVUs are relative to their compensation, that's another way you can start to look at what seems reasonable. So That's where you can start to get an idea of what numbers to look for. It does depend a little bit on what your job description is, what kind of an area you're working in and a number of other factors. The most common compensation models that we see are salaried, RVU-based and collections-based. So one is just, you get a flat rate for the year. That's your salary. Or if you do, you know, as OBGYN as a hospitalist or laborist worker, like what you're doing, it might be an hourly or a shift-based rate. It's still kind of a salary, essentially. You know what you're getting. It's not based on the number of people you see in the time that you're there, the number of surgeries or deliveries that you do. The RVU-based model is basically looking at a Medicare, Medicaid set value for everything that you produce. Like if I do a C-section that has an RVU value, and then my employer and every other employer sets what we call a conversion factor for Mm -hmm. that. And that's basically putting a 
value on each one of those RVUs. And it's kind of a complex equation for that. But when you're in an RVU based model, they'll make you an offer generally saying every RVU is worth 50 bucks, 60 bucks, something like that. And then you can also pull that data to find out if that makes sense. And then a collections based is when the employer bills out for all the work that you've done, they collect back a certain amount. And then as the physician, you get to keep a portion of that while the rest of it goes to paying nurses salaries, paying your office location, mortgage, all of that overhead. And then you get a portion of that. And each one of those models, you can look at the MDMA data and determine fair values for that. You can pull a ton of different information from your employer too, just to determine where you might come in relative to other physicians. So you know what to expect if you're on more of a production-based model. We do like to talk a lot about ways to get creative with that because especially if you're on a production-based model, an employer can kind of incentivize you to work harder by increasing your maybe conversion factor if you hit a certain number of RVUs. So say you hit 4,000 RVUs and those are each at $60. Well, now maybe anything from 4,000 to 5,000 can be worth $65 and everything from 5,000 to 6,000 can be worth $75 an RVU. And so you can find ways to benefit with your working more. And then also the employers incentivizing you to work more if that's a goal for yourself also. Do you typically find things in contracts that, you know, are hard no's or why would you turn down a contract? That is very specific to the person, what they feel comfortable with accepting because a risk to one person may not be a risk to another one. Like I said, as an OBGYN, I would be hard pressed to sign a contract that didn't offer me tail insurance if it was a claims made policy, but as an internal medicine physician, they might be okay with it because that tail might only cost them 10 or 15,000. Whereas for me, it might cost six figures. And I don't really want to be slotted with that fee at the end of a contract. So that might be my hard no, but not somebody else's hard no. Same thing with non-competes. That's another one that can be a really hard no for people if they want to make sure that they can be in a particular region and that non-compete just feels way too risky and way too restrictive for them. They might not feel comfortable signing that contract. Whereas I love traveling around. So signing a non-compete, I hardly think twice about it. I want to know what's there and I want to know what it says, but I love moving from one place to the next. So if I couldn't stay in one city, I would be fine with moving three States over if I needed to. That makes sense. Uh, Very personal. Right. Exactly. Well, Catherine, we were talking before the interview, just to kind of get to know each other. And you were telling me about all of the education that you do and the opportunities, you know, that you try and give to doctors to learn more about contracts and, you know, how to stand up for themselves. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So as the director of physician education, my main role is to put together as many free educational opportunities and resources as possible for physicians. So I just want to highlight that they're out there. If anybody's looking for an answer to a particular question, there's a good chance that we already have a resource that we've put together that I can share. And if not, I would be happy to build one for people. Right now we're working on building out a resource page. So that is coming soon. In the meantime, we do have a lot of PDFs available that people can email to reach out to us. I also send those out as attachments in certain emails when I'm communicating with other physicians. 
And then there's a blog on our page also that I put out a couple recently were top 10 tips and tricks for contract review and negotiation, things to know. Another one was how to find that first job or that next job. So just a few fun little blogs just to get the wheels turning and inspire. And then I also do a lot of free educational lectures and webinars. So I can offer those for residency or fellowship programs directly if anybody wants to do them on a smaller scale at their grand rounds or their lunch learn sessions. And then we also through contract diagnostics to some evening webinars that are also free. And a lot of it's just contract 101, just to lay out a lot of the terms, make sure people are familiar with them. And then plenty of time for Q&A to answer individual questions or clarify any points that we went through already. So anybody is more than welcome to reach out to us if they're interested in organizing any of those opportunities. I love, love, love doing those lectures and connecting with docs in that way as well. What is the best way to either find that on your website or to get in contact with you? If somebody wants to schedule a program for their department, they can just email me directly. So that Catherine at contractdiagnostics.com email is perfect for that. The evening webinars that I host for contract diagnostics specifically, we post every time there's a new one on there and you can just register right online. All free comes at the end of it with a recording of the lecture and then some of those educational resources that I just mentioned for those who attended, there's some little bonuses at the end as well. So it's a great time. We've been doing them about once every other month so far, and I'm happy to do them as much as needed. And let's talk about the spelling of your name again, just to make sure you get the emails coming to you. (laughs) Yes, the unique one. So it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N at contractdiagnostics.com and feel free to email away. I'm happy to chat with anyone and everyone. I know there are many companies that do this, you know, whether it be a contract company like yours or a local attorney that does it. But if anyone wanted to get in touch with contract diagnostics, how would they do that? The best way would be through the website, contractdiagnostics.com. They could reach us at our general email info at contractdiagnostics.com or me directly at Catherine at contractdiagnostics.com. I have a unique spelling to my name. So it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N at contractdiagnostics.com. We're always happy to help chat with everybody, evaluate their situation, determine if this is a good fit, answer any questions about our different packages or what we can offer versus what they might have in another company they're looking at. We can help do a little compare and contrast to make sure that it's a great fit. Ultimately, we want to help educate our physicians as best as possible so that we feel really empowered and really well-educated in order to go out and do these negotiations. And then we're always happy to help do negotiations. That's a model that somebody's looking for. That's fantastic. Catherine, I want to thank you for being on here. I know we touched a lot of topics and maybe we can have you back on and and delve more deeply into some of the individual topics, but just thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely, Tammy. It was such a pleasure to be here with you. I hope you have a wonderful day. I would love to come back and join you. I love talking about all these different areas that we can delve into as physicians. I can tell you're passionate. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Tammy. I really appreciate it. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the show and making my very first show very easy and I just really enjoy getting to know you a little bit, and I hope that you'll come back and join us again. Thank you so much, Tammy. It was such a pleasure to be here, and I look forward to joining you again and hearing all of your upcoming episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy, and I hope you'll tune in next week.